Hail and well met. I'm Kenna Rose, and with me is just Alyssa today. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Christmas. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, but it is vitally important that believers not lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas in the midst of food, presents, and family, and just our world getting more secular. The phrase, remember the true meaning of Christmas, is commonly heard among Christian circles, yet it's very true phrase even though it might be thought of as cliche it's not and i do believe we need to remember the true meaning of christmas because without christmas there would be no easter and without a baby in the manger there would be no savior on a cross so that is what Alyssa and i are going to be talking about today yes and andy wilson in his podcast stories are soul food had a powerful introduction into his latest episode which was episode number 96 titled tell the truth about noah for christmas which it's technically not part of nd wilson's podcast it was a new saint andrews college christmas ad but it's listed in his podcast if that was it was an interesting introduction it was an interesting introduction when the sun shines high Christmas lights are unneeded. In the darkness of winter, Christmas lights and Christmas joy are bright and loud and beautiful and needed. It has always been this way. As easy as it may be to imagine the first Christmas through a sparkly and sentimental lens with some Unitarian ministress plinking trite melodies on the piano's most annoying keys, to imagine a beloved young bride holding a fat-cheeked son as her gentle husband gazes on in adoration, the truth is nothing like a tidy stable set in a northern European snow globe. It is nothing like any nativity scene ever sold. The truth involves more struggle, more darkness, more oppression, more grief. The truth is a scandalous young woman sweating and groaning and straining while her older, angel-scolded husband plays clumsy midwife with hard, calloused, unclean, and splintered hands. The truth is a cave stable smelling of afterbirth and blood and manure. The truth is an exhausted virgin mother surviving her ordeal only to have her crude sanctuary invaded by coarse men from the fields come to rouse her. Strangers smelling of sheep barging into her makeshift birthing room on the invitation of angels to gape at her blood, the gore of her battle, her baby. The truth is genocide, the slaughter of innocents, Egyptian exile, wandering wizards, and somehow, against all odds, joy, the joy that would change everything. As you hang your lights in these dark days, as you decorate your tree and wrap undeserved gifts for those you love, remember that what you do is rebellion, rebellion against the darkness, against joyless despair, against the slaughter of innocents, the oppression of tyrants, and the folly of bureaucrats. That is what Christmas is, and what it always has been. Joy shines brightest in darkness, and the darkness is shattered. Joy always wins. In these darkening times, May your joy be an eruption. May your Christmas cheer burn unquenchably bright. May you be raucous and bold and overflowing in your giving, never sour in your embrace of abstract truths. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called.
Merry Christmas from New St. Andrews College. This season erupt. Might be a slightly dramatic way to make the point, but it does indeed make the point that we are getting at just the idea that Christmas really is about Christ in ways that I guess even Christian culture doesn't really get at because it's ten- we tend to sanitize things. And I feel like the Christmas story has been incredibly sanitized, which would make sense because, mm-hmm. well, if you really think about what it was like, it was really hard. Absolutely. When I heard that quote, I found it very powerful because even in my brain, I had kind of, I, I like the word that you use, sanitized the Christmas story that here Mary is all clean and holding her clean baby and the animals are just calmly resting. And it's like, that's probably not how it happened, you know? It was probably really loud, smelly. And Mary and Joseph were probably frightened and emotional and exhausted. Absolutely. And I think it's just really amazing when you read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and you just see how... God sovereignly ordained all the events that took place so that Christ could be born in this stable scene and how everything happened as it was meant to be. And maybe we would have put Jesus in a palace or somewhere where there was room for them or there was a more sanitary place for them. And yet God's plan looked different. And my former youth pastor, Stephen Anderson, has a podcast called Drive Deeper, which I highly recommend that podcast as it is a short devotional that really sets your heart and mind in a really beautiful place at the beginning of the day. Um, That being said, on one of his podcast episodes titled, Am I Confident in God's Sovereign Plan?, he makes a really interesting insight into the sovereignty of God, which I had never caught before. Um... When you read the Christmas story in Luke 2 and it mentions that, um, sorry, when you read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 when it says that Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that the whole world should be registered, we kind of glance over that because we want to get to the place where the angels tell the shepherds to go see the baby, where we see Mary and Joseph enjoying their newborn and all of that. We kind of skip over that first couple verses. But when you look in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And when you read that and you put the pieces together in Luke 2, you realize that At this specific moment in history, God ordained that Caesar Augustus would send out the registration decree, which happened to cause Mary and Joseph to have to travel to their hometown, which led to them staying in Bethlehem because Mary was in labor. And so while all of these events might seem like man is in charge You have man orchestrating or decreeing this registration. You have man not having room for them in the inn. And yet all of these things have been purposed and ordained. 
and prophesied. And it's just really beautiful to see how prophecy comes true. It's really neat and just amazing when you read the Christmas story to see just how much, how many prophecies came true. One, because you think not only was it just the whole idea of him having to have been born in Bethlehem, but the idea of him having been born to Mary, a virgin mother, the idea of him having to flee to Egypt after, because of the genocide of all babies, like two and younger, I believe it was. Matthew 2 says, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. And then them returning to Nazareth and continuing to live in Nazareth to, to fulfill the idea that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. It's just the way God worked it out, which I think is a good, because all of these events probably didn't look to them like God's hand was there working it out, orchestrating it perfectly to happen according to the prophets. It probably didn't look like God's hand was there. Really, now that we can kind of see the big picture somewhat in in the scriptures, we can really see that God's hand was there moving all of this stuff behind the scenes and also not behind the scenes because, you know, Jesus was there. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good point. And even that leads into the Easter story and how God ordained that one of Jesus's followers would betray him. And that led to his crucifixion, and yet that all fulfilled the scriptures. And it's just really amazing to look at the scriptures in that way from um, a God's sovereignty perspective, because the Christmas story is so secularized, even in Christian communities. Even secular people know the Christmas story. Everyone knows the Christmas story that you had Mary and Joseph and the baby You see nativity scenes outside people's homes from Lutherans to Catholics to Protestants, people of all different denominations, all different walks of life know the Christmas story. And yet that can so easily kind of numb us to the truth. Because we know it so well, we just don't really think much about it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like a lot of Bible stories have become that way where we know them so well it's hard to listen to them and learn new things from them just because we've heard it all the time. And so we tend to sort of turn our listening ears off, if that makes sense. That does make sense. That even happens even with familiar verses, you know, Um, for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, you know, you can rattle it off without even thinking about it because it's something you memorized from since you were three. (laughs) But (laughs) like Awana or whatever program your church has. So I think it's really cool to look at scripture and kind of allow it to speak for itself because when you do that you really see scripture come to life in the way that it was meant to because we were never meant to get you know used to the bible if that's the right terminology because hebrews 4 says that the word of god is alive and active and that includes luke chapter 2 it's alive and active and it has present day applications for today just the idea that christ came to earth why did he come to earth well to die for us and take our sins and rise again and redeem us that that's very relevant to each and every one of us today absolutely and john in his gospel makes a beautiful theological statement when he's talking about how in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god in verse one 
But then in verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And you kind of skip over that, but then you realize, wait, he's talking about the Christmas story. He's talking about God becoming flesh and the implications of that, how Jesus had to be God because he had to be a perfect sacrifice and he had to be a man because he had to be the perfect substitute. And so just the beauty of redemption story is seen in Luke chapter two, if you just look for it. Yeah, totally. 100%. One thing that I was had noticed a little bit ago reading Luke um, two is when the angels come to the shepherds, and this is slightly going on a different track now, he, they, they're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I hadn't noticed the with whom he is pleased part before, because I feel like so often, I guess that quote gets shorted, peace on earth among like men or whatever. And the with whom he is pleased part, even two points to Easter because of the idea that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so God can't be pleased with anyone except those who have been redeemed by Christ, but only because we've been covered by the blood of Christ. Absolutely. That is a great point. I had never really delved into that. So thank you for saying that. I I had never caught that before. Like I had known with whom he is pleased and I kind of understood the significance of that, but just hearing you like flesh it out was just really cool. Yeah, that's, it's a really neat thing that kind of popped out to me and that I learned in my scripture reading. Yeah, I love it when the Lord shows us stuff that we haven't seen before in scripture. And so I think that about wraps up everything we had to say. And so we hope that you guys have a very, very Merry Christmas and that you are able to just spend some good time celebrating Christmas with your family, for friends, and spend some time reading Luke 2 with the people you're with because... It really, it really is such a marvelous thing that God did for us and just a marvelous, marvelous story. With that being said, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. And as Luke 2, 10 through 11 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Thank you all so much for listening, and have a very Merry Christmas. This is Self-Evident.